Welcome to You're Making It Worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Meh. Textual healing. So, this was an exciting week. Joe Biden has selected Kamala, Kamala Harris as his VP. And I thought, because this is a podcast basically for gay men, straight women, and like three straight, list- straight men <laughs> listeners... Uh, I thought we friends. could maybe right, right. Um, I thought we could talk about it uh, about Kamala Harris. How do you feel about it? How do you I feel about her. the choice? I hate her. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Not joking. I love. Yeah, her. I really love her. I'm. 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 I think it was so exciting to see, like, uh, you know, the the like immediate rousing enthusiasm that I think some could lack for Biden because he's like an older white guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think mm-hmm. it was like it did for me personally. I just felt like, fuck yeah! Like if I, I felt like a a, a tinge, you know, a, mm-hmm. a a tinge of of like nostalgia for two thousand eight. Yeah, it felt a little like that, and not just not just because she's black, but because she's a woman. Because she's... how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, oh, I I'm, agree. I'm just yeah. I'm, I think it's it's super exciting, and I think it really just like. It really does, in you know, I think rile up people in the right way. It really incites yeah. people. I feel like on some levels, I have I have two very fun text chains um, that I talk politics with. One is with mm-hmm. Brent, that can often mm-hmm. um, be very too wonky for the world, and mm-hmm. people wouldn't know what they're reading. Elliot, Elliot warned us of before we started. So, several we're so times. smart that we can't. He's like, try not to get make it yeah. too boring, guys. <laughs> and then the other <laughs> it's one, not boring. It just, it's just. I don't know. I don't. If, if our listeners aren't, we don't like, want to get lost. I get it. I, I mean, know. yeah, we want to keep it casual. But the other one that I have is with sort of uh, uh, my family friends. You know, my friend mm-hmm. Colleen, who I've my friend's mm-hmm. mother, who what? Well, it's a whole group family chain, and mm-hmm. we were talking on the family chain about how, uh, with everything that's been going on in 2020, you know, there's been sort of two incredible moments that I think were sort of altering. One is, of course, COVID, and then this mm-hmm. moment is the sort of Kamala's. Kamala's, I, we were just before yeah, we got on, yeah, we were discussing on how to say her name. Kamala's um, nomination is sort of that hope out of the darkness. You know, and yeah. it's, not, it's not even necessarily political. It's more like we needed a vision for something different. We different. needed, there was, we kept seeing these images of this, of white men white on guys, TV white yelling angry over and all over the and fucking over, time. Yeah. And Biden's one of them. And Kamala out there, Republican, Democrat, politics aside, it's something that says that this is the future we're going towards, not trying to, like, desperately achieve now. You know what I mean? Well, I think this it's, is our I think future. It speaks to the idea that, like, you know, whatever whatever you are, you know, whatever your race is or sexuality, however however othered you, you feel, you know, like, I, I think we felt, you know, progress in a lot of ways, especially as queer people, like, we felt some pretty really significant progress in the last five to 10 years. And so I think once 2016 happened and it was just this relentless, you know, attempt to return to to return to make quote unquote, make America great again, but to like, you know, regress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was like attacks on trans people, attacks on POC people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Women. She does just, you know, and it's not even that she's queer, but she just represents, like you said, 
like a beacon of light of something, something that's current and future. Yeah. And yeah. she looks like people who aren't <clears throat> white guys. And it has nothing it to do with her politics. Cause I mean, if no. you really, if you get down to the nitty gritty, she is a moderate person who in some weird way gives hopes to liberal, even voters, which is yeah. sort of the so best wait, candidate. So, so like, uh, I, I, I've been, I kind of tuned out of politics the last like week or two, just because it's been a little overwhelming for me and I've been getting a little too angry um, but like uh, the, the, I guess I, maybe it's just kind of the feed I've cultivated, but like, I just saw a lot of people responding positively to people who were mad that she was, that she's not more liberal. Is that not what you guys experienced? Like, well, I, I just felt like half of the conversations I had were like with my family and, and like regular friends who were excited. And the other half were with like, LA lunatics who were like, she's not a socialist. Well, you know? I mean, uh, yeah, I, I kind of got a mix, you know, from my mother, my mom called me. She was really emotional about it. She, I mean, she was emotional about Clinton too. And mm-hmm. she said she was emotional, even though she was raised to vote Republican, she was, she was emotional about Geraldine Ferraro. Like it's a big deal. It's a big, big, mm-hmm. big deal. And she called me really emotional about it. And she also thought that just, you know, her being a woman of color, it's just what we need. And, mm-hmm. but on the flip side of it, a lot of you're right. My liberal friends, friends who through sort of, I mean, I was a Warren supporter and I wanted to see Warren up there and I love Elizabeth Warren. And I think Elizabeth Warren is a great vision for the future. That said, they, a lot of very far left liberal Warren Bernie supporters think that her, especially her policing strategies or her policing positions when she was attorney general, um, disqualify her from being She's a cop. Being from being cast as liberal. And I mean, some of the arguments are right. I'm glad she's evolved in in her positions on this. And and I hope that she will continue to evolve. But the far left has a very militant sort of response to anyone who doesn't necessarily align 1000 percent with how they feel. In, this, uh, over the over the span of their career. I mean, you're you're spot yes. on, but also we'll we'll also add <laughs> because that's that's another complexity to it. It's no longer just okay for you to agree with the points of the far left. Mm-hmm. You have to, over the span of your entire career, have agreed to the point to the beliefs of the far left today. Of course. If you didn't in 2008, well, then you're you're just a charlatan today. Yeah, or I, I mean, or it's like you, it's you're supposed to be like a time capsule, or you no, know, the the opposite of a time capsule. You're supposed to have the same. You're supposed to be so, I guess, sycophantic or so single-minded that you have that you are you have the 2020 mentality. And if you didn't have that, when just, nobody had the 22 menta- 2020 yeah. mentality, because. That's just not because that's not what we all have. Bernie supporters will say Bernie did, but well, yes. right, right. <laughs> yeah, you but, know. But that said, I will say like uh, this, and this is something that I think I think is always important to note. That's what's so amazing about the Democratic Party is that it is a big ticket sort of party. It's a big umbrella. What's the phrase? It's a big something party. Big Whereas tent or something. Big tent party. Yeah. Whereas mm. Republicans tend to, and we're seeing umbrella. it with Trump, tend to toe the line. There aren't a lot mm. of dissent. Republicans out there challenging right. Trump left and right, whereas there are a hell of a lot of Democrats Democrats challenging Joe yeah. Biden, and that's so a great thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Fundamentally, for democracy, yes, that's a great thing. In the era of Trump, uh, it's annoying. It worries it's me annoying. sometimes, but yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Harris, uh, Kamala's Harris, Kamala, Kamala's. <laughs> Kamala. I just called her Kamala's Harris. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kamala's Harris stance on gay rights. So. 
If you go to her Wikipedia page, you'll see that she refused to defend Prop 8, which was California's gay marriage ban, um, in 2014. All right, so that's like her, you know, she she kind of saw, um, you know, uh, uh, the... The writing on the wall. The writing on the wall with that is- issue, which was which was pretty obvious quite some time ago. Uh, however, let's see. In 2014, she defended California against an incarcerated transgender person who was suing for the state t- to provide her with what she argued was a medically necessary sex reassignment surgery. So let me just speak for the podcast when I say, Kamala Harris, you son of a bitch. <laughs> How dare you? Well, so... Um, I, I, obviously we don't need to get into the weeds on, uh, on these particular issues. Um, it's interesting though, because this has, this has come up a couple different times for conservatives, liberals who've been, uh, um, uh, appointed to like judge of federal judge ships across the country, which is sometimes, uh, they do have autonomy over what cases they can pursue and what, what they choose to defend. And sometimes they really don't. Um, you know, for instance, you know, Kamala Harris pointedly as an elected official, as the attorney general, she decided not to pursue Prop 8. She felt it was illegal. Yeah. Uh, but she did decide to pursue uh, the case. Uh, she did decide to defend California against a transgender person who wanted uh, to get sex reassignment surgery in prison. Um, so well, I, don't know, Cal- I just think it's, in, a, it's an interesting. In California, line. the attorney general is a, is a political office. It is not necessarily, so right. you don't even have to be a lawyer or a judge to run for attorney right. general in California. And that's right. also the case in many states across the country. Um, right. One thing about her past that I think is really interesting that I didn't hear brought up a lot, but I am fascinated by the, the, the first African-American mayor of San Francisco, Willie Brown, and Kamala Harris dated for a long time. And Willie Brown mm-hmm. was a very controversial political figure. Um, mm. I think he's since passed, but he's a, he was a very controversial political figure. And there's lots of sort of like, her connection to Willie Brown is always a really interesting, it might just be like hmm. a fun political rabbit hole that I go down, yeah. but it is, yeah. it, it is a really interesting part of her kids? career. No, she Does doesn't she have, have kids. She, She's a stepmother. Um, her husband has children, but she's never wow. had children. No. And that Jewish. also would be a, that. Wait, that also would be a first for quite some time. When was the last time there was an, uh, a president or VP that did not have biological children? Uh, that's a good question. Um, Probably Mike Pence. <laughs> I want to say I don't know if the Rockefellers did. I don't know yeah. if he did. Um, oh, okay. All right. But, so that's not. Yeah, but, that, not, but it's going far back. You're right. It's going yeah. a really long time back. Yeah. Uh, you know, but anyway, so I, it, it is exciting. I, I went to the website to see the, the design for the Biden Harris t shirt. It's so I like boring. Them a lot. I don't oh, I like They're them. Boring. I like them. I like them, actually. I, I like the names. one black shirt. One black shirt. <laughs> oh, how dare you? One black shirt. <laughs> They're very, uh, like, I like they're clean. They're clean cut. I, I like I like the look. I like your note about um, in your in the notes here about Sarah Palin and her sort of like. Did you message. see that? What it was so bizarre. Oh, I was like, yeah, I saw your notes. You wrote it. No, I, no, no, yeah, I no. read what you write. Did you see? <laughs> did you see Sarah Palin's message? It was. I did, but you know what? It's not as bizarre as you think. There is sort of like a historically amongst, and there's only been four of them, so mm-hmm. we can't go too far back. But um, the, the four, well, the four women who have either been nominated for vice president or ran as president have been, for the most part, very sort of like, even though they might disagree politically, they've been very supportive in terms of 
the role that those women play. And when Sarah Palin was uh, the, the VP, Hillary Clinton had had a nice thing to say about her, just like mm-hmm. Geraldine Ferraro did. When, I mean, a, there are so many yeah, different, yeah. and it is, uh, so I do think it's not uncommon and I actually respect it that she did it. Of course. It, it, I mean, they, I, it keeps the precedent. You have to give credit where credit is due. And to give a yeah. little context, Sarah Palin wrote an oddly heartfelt message on Instagram to Kamala Harris once she was selected, essentially wishing her well and telling her to enjoy, kind of enjoy the ride as long, however long it lasts. And it was just a surprise because the reason it was a surprise is because as far as I'm concerned, Sarah Palin is sort of really the beginning of the extreme hyper-partisanship that we've seen. And, you know, I think without Sarah Palin, I don't think you have Donald Trump. I'm not entirely sure you could have had Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And so it just surprised me to see Sarah Palin take to Instagram. uh, And, you know, we've, no one's really heard much from her over the last like year or two. And she took to Instagram to wish, wish a Democrat well well was a surprise. She was on The Masked Singer. That's true. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. We've heard from Miss Palin. Don't, don't get it wrong. (laughs) That's, that's true. I, I sincerely apologize. (laughs) Not even joking. Our guest today. Is Neil McNeil? Hi, Neil. Yeah. Okay, Neil. I know you're asked about your name a lot. Oh but my do God, people piss you off about? Like, do you get pissed off about people asking you about your name? No, it's really fun because like I have like a set of like go-to responses depending on how they react to it. Uh, it's just like, mm. something like I've grown up with. Like, I mean, like from a very early age, I realized like this is a weird thing about me, so I'm just gonna kind of have to roll with it. <laughs> why did your parents? Yeah. Do why did they choose that? So I'm technically Neil McNeil the third. Oh, wow. Mm, this has been wow. going on for years. It's been going on for years, and it dies with me. Um, I, I actually have two <laughs> cousins um, who both also have the last name McNeil, two male co- cousins. I remember pulling them aside once and being like, hey, guys, like we must have been like 10 or 11 years old at a family party. And I was like, do not name your son Neil. Like Whatever you do <laughs> in like 10, 20 years when you end up having kids, don't do it. Like this has to die with me because like childhood is rough because like kids are just mean. And I can't even imagine what it's like growing up in the age of social media with like the access to bullying is so much easier for people to have right now. So like the fact that it was just like schoolyard taunts for me, I was like, I can deal with that. And I was like, no more. This, this is over. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had that with my, my, my name, the H in my name, it's pronounced Honinger, but people, say ho and then they say another word and it's just like it's all inappropriate things with mm-hmm. the name I, so mm. i can relate to being annoyed by your name a yeah what were you gonna say elliot <laughs> um i just i now i was thinking what you just said neil about like bullying and every now every now and then when somebody has like a baby i am like excited for them but i'm like this world is gonna be so intense for your baby <laughs> so much more difficult it's just like it's so daunting to think about like my niece and nephew having to grow up in this age and it's like yeah, I don't even know. But like, I can't know, every generation but thing. In a certain way, it could be really beautiful because think about this: in twenty years, your this person will grow up and they'll be able to see anyone's nudes. Mm-hmm. Any new, well, any person true. that they see on social media will have nudes available. The glasses usually always for sale. have full with Prince. And so, like, that's a really beautiful thing, if you yeah. ask me. Yeah, it's a level well, okay, playing I want to mm-hmm. give Neil the proper introduction he deserves because he's a very funny, talented individual, former YouTuber. Do you still YouTube? I don't think you do. Not really. No. I uploaded one video no. at the beginning of all this, and I was like, maybe I'll do it. And then I realized I was like, no, I'm good, actually. No, you're <laughs> good. You're good. But you're a writer. You wrote on uh, Katie Keene with our mm-hmm. yeah, last week's guest, Leo yeah, Richardson. Leo. That was yeah. wonderful. You've also done the Sabrina reboot, right? You were in that how, as well. 
Oh, I you was, wrote I was I was the um, actually the assistant to the showrunner on both Sabrina and Riverdale, which is how then I got hooked up with Katie oh. Keene, moved on over to that mm. when that show got picked up. I have questions about Riverdale. Why do people care? I know it's great, mm. but I don't understand what... Like, there's a huge gay it's following the, to Riverdale, and I own, right? it's, it's, don't get it. It's, it's just, like, my favorite, my favorite part about Riverdale is that I was a fan of the show before I even worked on it. Like, that's actually how I ended up working on all these shows. I got a hold of the script and was like, this is exactly my tone. Like, I need to, like, work on mm-hmm. a show like this and, like, did everything in my power over the next year to get even just, like, remotely close to that show. But it's, like, whenever we watch episodes all together... Um, we'll watch it with you know, all the writers, some of the Sabrina writers, some of the Katie writers. We'll just be sitting down, live tweeting, whatever. Um, and every commercial break, my boss just like laughs and like he's having such a good time. And it's like, y- you're just supposed to like enjoy it. Just like let yourself go. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a silly, campy, fun show. That we're oh, what is it? I've, can you explain what it's even about? I, I don't know. The way, Archie. The way that I pitched what? it to people uh, was sexy teen murder with the Archie Comics characters. That's all you need to know. Oh. It's it's oh. Archie Allen. It's um Archie Betty the comic book. Yeah, 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 but yeah. Dark and uh, uh, yeah, but see, teenagers. Is, yeah. mm-hmm. The thing that blows me away with it is I people tend like they like masturbate to it as it as it airs, I mm-hmm. find on Twitter. Like people are literally having a like a physical reaction to it. But also it's like cast with like these heartthrobs who have millions of followers, and I just I feel like it's a whole world that I don't it's like Twilight. I don't understand well, why people care. It's crazy too because those a lot of those kids who got cast in the show, aside from Cole Sprouse, um, kind yeah. of were relative newbies to the game. I mean, they had been in a couple of indie projects beforehand, nothing really uh, like in the zeitgeist. And then, kind of overnight, Riverdale uh, went straight to Netflix after the first season premiered. And I think they said, oh. like, over like the course of that weekend, it just got such a huge international audience that they got millions of followers overnight. And they were just like, insane. What? Uh, so it's. I think it. I was going to say, it, it kind of reminds me of, like, the reign of Gossip Girl. Yeah, mm. yes, very Gossip Girl. Mm. Very also, like, Glee. If you if you did follow those kids, too, they kind of became superstars overnight uh, to yeah. the point where people were paying to go to, like, concerts with them, just singing and <laughs> That's dancing. crazy. You, pay, pay. You, become, you become a famous person and you're charging money to go to a fucking Sarah McLachlan concert with a fan? <laughs> what a bizarre... <laughs> What a strange next step. <laughs> but I also love that, like, you took this, like, because your YouTube thing, like, you and Elliot, you were saying before we were on the air, like, you did uh, our our good friend, Carrie Doherty's <laughs> old show, Geeking Out. And, like, that was sort of your thing. You geeked out on pop culture shit. Well, it, it's kind of funny because Carrie and I met, we did this um, YouTube intensive creators lab over the course of a weekend. It was, like, two days. You went to the YouTube space in L.A. You got paired off with a couple of people. You could, like, pick groups, whatever. Um, I got a little bit because... No, it wasn't. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like camp. Like I would have loved it if it was like like camp. And this one, it was actually called the Geek Lab. Like you were, you applied to it if you were like, if your content was geek related. And I had a show um, with my friend Becca on um, a YouTube channel called Geeking Out, and the out was in rainbow letters because we were two gay geeks. But Carrie also had a show called Geeking Out where she literally geeked out about things. And we met at this uh, intensive and we were like, oh, my God, we have the same name. So weird. We should, like, do stuff together. And then we became friends from that. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Well, so they, you, like, you parlayed the geeking out on pop culture things to, like, actually working on shows that are about pop culture yeah. stuff. I pretty, which is I pretty much single, awesome. I single white female my way into a writer's room. <laughs> I just kind of like took everything that I ever wanted to do. And I was like, how do I convince them? And actually like I got an unpaid internship 
uh, with yeah. Berlanti back in the day. And I remember like applying for it and they were like, are you sure you want to be an intern with us? It seems like, and I was like, no, 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 I'll do whatever it takes. I was like, I, I work here now. Right. And they were like, I guess you do. And then I just kind of <laughs> forced my way through. Wait, so what kind of stuff did you have you, were you like nerding out about even before you actually professionally got to do it? I mean, like I, I grew up watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I grew up reading the Archie comics, grew up watching the X-Men animated series, got into that. Also because of Buffy, because Joss Whedon wrote a run on Astonishing X-Men. That kind of was my entryway into the comics uh, proper of it all. I didn't really like have access to comic book shops growing up. There weren't really, it wasn't, it didn't feel like it was a thing, but once I knew it was a thing, I was able to spot them everywhere. Um, And then all throughout college, I just, yeah. Isn't it it interesting? Cause like I'm someone who I wasn't into comics. I always wanted to be, but I wasn't. Same. But it's funny. Cause like when I, when it, when you think about it, I was really into baseball and I had like one baseball player that I thought was the best. And he was, he got into the hall of fame with mm-hmm. a, like 95, 98% acceptance rate. Um, but like it, it was the same kind of good versus evil. Yeah. I would watch the Braves, which for whatever reason, a kid in Michigan, I cared about the Atlanta Braves. And like, it's like, we all have those, those like things like you had comics I had Greg Maddox for the Braves and it's like, I would get so upset if like they didn't win and they always choked in the, in the world series, but I would try so hard. I was always one of those kids that like whenever someone I knew or liked was into something like baseball or like comics or something, I would try so hard to understand what the fuck was going on to show that I like mattered in this space. And then maybe one fourth of the way through, I'd be like, fuck all of this this is boring i'm going back to the oscars fuck all of yeah, you yeah. leave me alone i'll have my tony morrison book right here i i wish and, and we'll get back in, uh, in a second um to you neil sorry uh, i just i long <laughs> for the days i long for the days when like like life or death was baseball and now mm-hmm. like now i view politics as life or death but yeah. like it does feel a little bit more death. intense than usual literally, literally. <laughs> it was a little more intense in 2012 and like i just long for those days when i hated paul o'neill because he hit a home run uh, <laughs> as opposed to like you know i mean i was a donald sl- trump because he's, go ahead. i was the same way like i hated abc when they canceled pushing daisies and like i harbored a resentment <laughs> Work for years because I was just like so, so ingrained in that sort of world. And that, that sort was of shocking. That was yeah. a shocking moment. I agree. That was shocking. <laughs> I will say that was the <laughs> other place that I ever like saw. I didn't even, honestly, I didn't even watch the show. I just knew that they employed Ellen Green from yep. Little Shop. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Yes. Why isn't she not getting more work? She's oh, amazing. She was Ellen also. Green. She was also in Heroes. Weirdly mm-hmm. enough. She was. He played yeah. Zachary Quinto's mother in Heroes. Ellen Green is dynamic. No. She really is. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's. I, I've never. I tried to get Brent to listen to the soundtrack recently because Brent loves. Which one? Which one? Little Shop of Horrors. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. You, which one? The Broadway or the film? I don't know either. I, I guess mm-hmm. either no. because ultimately Brent loves uh, "Kiss the Girl" from The Little Mermaid, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he would like song. the Howard Ashman songs. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. in Little Shop of Horrors, like. Ellen Green is the most is the oddest. She has the strangest presence. Yeah, and so dynamic. Well, and she's like, one of the few singers. I, I don't even give a fuck about music, but she's one of the few singers that like she has this accent that she's as an effect on, on during the show. But she incorporates the accent into her singing. Yeah, which is like 
I've never heard blowing. I've yeah. never because that's the that's the weird thing about music is that you can never tell accents in music. She does. Even if they're British or they're Australian or they're like weird Russians or whatever, you can still can't tell accents. She does. Oh, she does. That's so strange. It's really interesting. You should definitely listen to it. It's one of the most that musical in general, and like watching that that documentary on Howard Ashman, like that was mind-blowing to me that he was just like, I saw this old horror film that was supposed to be kind of a campy comedy and I wanted to turn it into a musical. And he mm. just did it. And it was- It's just so weird. I love it's that. It's so good. But Neil, I want to ask you, like what, when we talk about like the, the, the stuff that, you know, in, that shaped you creatively, especially when you were younger, what, how much of it had like a queer sensibility that would shape who you've become, obviously. You, you know, going back and, like, looking at a lot of it, I would say, like, my two big touchstones were, like, Buffy and X-Men. And X-Men, of course, is, like, one big metaphor for coming out and being gay. And, well, it depends on who you are. It is? Like, um, yeah. Well, oh, certain, yeah. certain, certain storylines, yes, definitely more than others. Sure. Um, it's kind of more of, like, a... Like a like a story about uh, wanting equality for being born a different way, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. oh. kind of latched onto that, and which is why the X-Men are kind of canonically more of a queer superhero team. And then with Buffy, you had uh, Willow's coming out, and there's a really distinct moment I remember, too. I remember, because um, I watched it live. It premiered when I was seven or eight years old, and my sisters used to rent the old Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie VHS from Blockbuster. Oh, wow. I would watch oh, wow. it with them. That's a gem. Yeah, with, Trump, a gem. with Trump supporter Christy Swanson. I right? told someone <laughs> that the other night, and they were like, nah, she's not. And I was like, she's a Republican. She is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Loves Trump. And my mom knew that I loved watching it with my sister, so she was like, oh, they're going to make it into a show. Do you want to watch it? My mother coming to seven-year-old me being like, do you want to watch the show? And I remember after the first oh episode, God. I used to cry at everything. I hated horror movies. <laughs> I hated the Chucky doll scared the shit out of me. You were Elliot. Elliot. You're Elliot. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't, do, I couldn't do anything, yeah. but I loved Buffy. So I kind of like watched that growing up and my mom fell more out of it than I did, um, but she would still keep up with it and they would like, occasionally like the local newspaper would like publish like reviews of episodes. And I came home from school one day and my mom was like, oh, you know, Neil, there's, um, there's a new episode of Buffy tonight. And I was like, oh yeah, mom? She's like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, no. And she's like, you know, Oz is going to come back, Willow's boyfriend. And I was like, but they broke up. And she was like, well, Neil, um, Willow's going to end up being with Tara. She's going to be a lesbian. Oh. And I was like, plot twist. Mm. I was like, oh, that's cool. And just kind of like walked away. And like my mom like mm. cut out the article for me so I could read it. And like, right. in not so many words, she said, oh, I'm my cool God. with you being gay without yeah. addressing it. Where are you from? Epic, epic motherhood. That is an yeah, epic really, yeah, mom move to my mom gets Buffy as a way of letting you know mm-hmm. that she is okay with you. That's ama- that's amazing. Carol On is, a different realm. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Carol, no, I was just saying, my mom is the coolest. She is the coolest Italian mother you will ever meet. I'm from Brooklyn originally, grew up mm. uh, in Brooklyn proper and then moved to the, the suburbs, quote unquote, uh, like 40 minutes outside the city for uh, middle school and mm. high school. Wait, where, where? Uh, no, in a town called Woodbury. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Long Island. I'm, from okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm literally yeah. from the Woodbury Common. <laughs> of course. Beautiful <laughs> stories. We've heard lots wait, about wait, Long Island, wait, Neil. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be an episode if I didn't mention I had cancer, Elliot didn't mention he's from Long Island, and Brent <laughs> didn't mention that he hates both of us. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> yes. Which I don't think they've heard yet. I think that's in yeah. the third segment. Yeah, he hasn't gotten angry. He hasn't gotten angry yet. No, I wanted to ask you, Neil, about that, because like I had a similar situation with my mom where it wasn't with that. It was with um, when Ellen came out and she just sort of casually said, like we were talking about, and she asked what I thought about it. And she just casually said, that's brave in this weird sort of like way telling me it's okay with you. Like, yeah. it's okay mm-hmm. for you to like this. What do you think, like, 
it is that with that gay son mother relationship where those two sort of fields meet and and it's it's not direct communication but it's communication you get loud and clear yeah it's i well my mom definitely too because she grew up in brooklyn as well um her and my dad grew up like a couple of like neighborhoods over from each other um we're a very like brooklyn family um were they hipsters in williamsburg no um no they were actually they were actually nypd um both my um, so they were hip stirring. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> stirring the pot. Uh, no, Sorry. But I Sorry. That's all right. It was a good try. I think being that close to the city and seeing kind of uh, like the, the gay rights movement coming alive, I've never actually like talked about this in so many words with them, but I think from my perspective, then kind of being through all that and then seeing that kind of come out in their son, it was like a... <clears throat> we, should, uh, we should address this, but then it's also like the crazy like Italian Catholic... Uh, sort yeah. of mentality of we don't talk about our feelings, but we want you to know that it's cool. So like, we're just going to like kind of dance around it and use pop culture references right. to make sure right. that you know that we're cool. My mom was more mad about me coming out of the closet than, she, oh, no, she was more mad about me being a vegetarian than she was about me coming out right, of the closet. Right, Because mm-hmm. she's got to cook different shit at Thanksgiving now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. I, I, I get, literally, uh, I, I, I can understand a world in which a parent like does not want their child <laughs> because like I, can you imagine i'm sorry but i've actually thought this through can you imagine having a kid that suddenly is like i'm vegan you're like i gotta make two fucking dinners mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. i need to make two dinners for my family I'll make you rice you can have some rice <laughs> we used to have those on um, the boca burgers in the uh, in the freezer and she would just, like yes. heat one of those up for me and be like there's your dinner and like i'd just eat the sides that came yeah, 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 i think it's right. honestly like it's to me it sounds very like it's very italian and jewish to me because like my even my sister she was vegetarian as a teenager and my grandma was so insulted that she wouldn't eat her her like brisket you know she right. was so <laughs> insulted and i still remember her saying to like my sister who was like a kid a little kid she was she was right there and she would say just to the room all she eats is bread and water <laughs> why are you like berating your granddaughter why are you mad <laughs> I get wait. it Neil I wanted to ask you because last week we talked a little bit with Leo a little bit not much about Katie Keene mm-hmm. and it had like such a strong social media following and it had such a good reaction mm-hmm. and then the network had to come around and fuck with y'all like yeah. what what was can you well talk a little bit about Katie Keene but also like what was it like working on a show, being really proud of it, and then having to go into quarantine and not really able to, like, be with everyone as it's on the air? I mean, that must have sucked. You know, it really was. Like, the, the first five or six episodes, I think, aired right before all this happened. And my episode with my that I co-wrote with my boss, Michael Grassi, uh, was episode 10. And I actually, it was going to be my first TV writing credit. I was so excited about it. I had, um, I had actually, like, booked a bar in West Hollywood. We were going to do like a screening because yeah. I also, Ooh. I came from uh, the bar world while I was interning. I was also working at a gay bar in West Hollywood, which actually today just announced their closing for good. Oh, which one? Which one? Flaming Saddles. Oh, wow. Yeah. It had a shitty yeah. name, but that's yeah. sad. It wasn't, it wasn't the greatest, but that that's is still sad. a bummer. Wow. It was just yeah. like such good a... Good TVs though. Good TVs. Oh, yeah. And well, originally I was going to do the screening there because I was like, oh, like I came up at Saddles, blah, blah, blah. But then they had a weekly drag show that they were doing. And I was like, listen, I'm not going to make you like cancel the drag show just for my... Right. We'll go somewhere <laughs> else. And it was... You're like, don't worry, we, we, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Um, yeah. But it was supposed to air April 10th and then all this kind of happened. Yeah. So not only was I not able to like, like celebrate that with my coworkers, but I was also going to have a bunch of friends. Like I was actually having friends flying from New York, DC. They were all going to like, mm. like make a big thing of it. And then the fact that we yeah. had to like do it over Zoom 
uh, felt yeah. I felt a little cheated, but it's just like it really does feel. And I'm still getting messages like from friends. Um, I, I took a trip to London a couple of months ago too, before all this hit as nice. well. And I made a lot of friends over there, and a lot of them were like, "Well, what are you doing?" I was like, "Like right on the show. It hasn't premiered here yet, uh, but it will yeah. one day." And it actually mm-hmm. uh, a couple of weeks ago just premiered on BBC iPlayer. Uh, and mm-hmm. For all those uh, international viewers, if you're listening in London, you yeah, can watch both Katie of them are. They are. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but I had a lot of those friends reach out and be like, "Oh my god! Like I woke up this morning and Katie Keen was on my TV, so I started watching because of you." And it's like, mm-hmm. and it's just yeah. so cool to hear people still finding it, and it's it's such a special gem of a show that kind of. In in terms of the pushing daisies of the world, the gone too soon, the freaks and geeks, the my so called lives, like I kind of consider it one of those because it just had so yeah. much heart, and it was so. Oh, my so called life was like so important to me. Mm-hmm. Like that was like that that was like right at that moment because I was twelve going on thirteen, I think, when that show was on, and it was just like that perfect puberty moment of identity yeah. of figuring out what the fuck was going on. So to be even a part of a show that's in that realm for those 12 to 13 year olds, like that's a, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Is there any I, world in which they'll get picked up somewhere else? I don't know. It's, it's also, it's so confusing right now with everything that's going on. It's yes. just like, nobody really knows what can happen or what's what, going on. Right. A lot of shows that haven't even started filming yet. They're going to go back into production in the next week or two. So we're about to see, yeah how we kind of navigate these waters. So it's an interesting time in the industry just to be a part of this all. It's also a shitty time to be a part of this industry because everything is digital. So it's kind of, you have to either rely on really good agents or managers, which I don't have or word of mouth. Um, But I'm lucky enough that I work for um, a boss who is very much like, don't worry, like we're going to make sure that everything's okay. Like once all this calms down, we're going to like come up with a course of action. So I, Mm -hmm. I'm just, I, my goal right now I'm, is not I'm, to go crazy. <laughs> I'm, I'm yes. glad Hollywood is back though, because I am, I'm already, I've already seen all the wheel of fortunes that <laughs> apparently they're going to show. I've seen all the jeopardies. I'm tired of the reruns. I've seen every episode of shark tank, every episode of shark tank I've seen. I need new shit. There's a and, show called the golden girls. You can start on Hulu. Uh, I saw it back the in the nineties and it was just fine. <laughs> Neil, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about um, your, well, first off, I have to say you have a rain. I have an aversion to rainbows, which okay. is the strangest thing ever. And you have a massive <laughs> rainbow flag behind you. which yes. I find <laughs> It is bar. I know it's so weird, but I, the, the whole like aesthetic of rainbows. Like I, I love being gay. I hate rainbows. I don't know mm. why. Hmm. That, is that a weird? What would you like your rain? What would your rain, what version of a rainbow flag be? Mine, all black, all black. Yeah. <laughs> I want, I want one big black flag. One big maybe black with a gray strip. strip or something. Black and gray. There you but go. But besides the rainbow, first, besides the rainbow, one thing that I do love about Neil is that his Instagram is a mix of like, like, like geeking out stuff and like self care. Like it's like this, uh-huh. it's like the strange mix of like he loves a bath bomb. I love a good guys. bath like, bomb, guys. And you love a bath, which is a which is a bit of an aversion to me. I'm not a huge, huge, huge bath person because mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes I'm sitting in my own filth. What is it about a bath bomb that like just 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 swirls your tickle? It's you know the fact that you can go and pick out any number of bath bombs with any different combination of scents and sensations. Some of them are like still fizzing around you. Some of them leave sparkles all over you. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just. I, I don't know. Are you? A, are you a lash? What is it? L- lush. 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 Yes. Lush. Yes. Are you a lush guy. I'm a big lush guy. I miss being at the Glendale Galleria and just walking down. Same. 
and just same. getting hit Love in the face with that smell of a lush store. See, I think that's I think, my lush. I think, that's my lush. I think Bath and Body Works that smells disgusting, <laughs> but I think lush is no. I've always got like I want to go in because I <laughs> I love the I, I've loved bath bombs and I've used a few, you know a couple of them, but they always look so <laughs> they look so good that I'm like. Is that yeah. dessert? <laughs> I know. I know. I'm like, is that a macaroon? They, no, they literally have this one rose jam, like macaroon looking thing that's a bubble. Yes. Bath. You, like break it off, but I like always like as I'm breaking it off, I'm like, I know. No. Can Do you I? just <laughs> order them now? Do you just order them online or something? Yeah. Um, there's also I was out in Santa Monica a couple of weeks ago, and there's a lush store out there that's doing like curbside pickup where you can like literally walk and like point to the back. <laughs> oh, so I went and like loaded up. But I also oh, I have oh my god. I have so many friends who know that I love bath bombs at this point, like as you just pointed mm-hmm. out, um, that yeah. it's, it's the go-to gift for me. Like I've made it yeah, so known and I just, I'm constantly oh, just like so... flushing bath bombs. I, I, I had a couple friends that, that learned I like really fancy soaps. Like I, I normally don't buy $10 <laughs> bars of soaps. That. I did not know but, that about but you. They, they, they really do smell like they're it's just like a totally different smell palette. Mm-hmm. And so I fell in love a few years ago, and so I I get them for like Christmas. Wait, and what's your now. fancy soap? Your, I don't. I don't. I, even, I don't this. even keep track. I just get them from my friend Megan oh. and my parents, like oh, for my wow. birthday. And my Lush birthday's is, coming up, so I'm like run, I'm running low, and it's making me anxious. Lush really is a a, a bougie, wonderful, just self serving experience to walk through a lush mm. but that said to for the bath and body moments it stands out there i love every time i go into a bath and body there's nothing better than getting a little a little spray a little body spray from there a bath go. and body and then maybe a nice little candle and when i buy it i feel like my mom it's like yeah it's payday and i'm treating myself <laughs> that's, that's right. my thing too is that i don't do drugs um i rarely right. drink so i'm like what should i do and when oh. i say rarely drink i mean like i drink a bottle of wine like every, that's rude. every couple of days yeah. um but i'm like okay. this right, is my one this is my one vice is yeah i yeah. think you need to make a bumper sticker that says i don't do drugs i do do bath bombs <laughs> <laughs> wait i mean i before you go i do need to know like what is your what if Lush is your favorite store? Unless Lush is your favorite store, what is another one that you like? But also, what is okay. your favorite type of bath bomb, like okay. flavor or scent or whatever? Oh, that's that's a good one. Um, well, if I'm not, is it the, is the rose the rose macaroon? Not the rose macaroon. That's more of like a bubble bath, and I only do those every so often. Mm. There's one literally mm. called the sex bomb. That uh-huh. it's, it's bright pink and has like a little rosebud oh, in the tip. I know that one. And you put it in, and then all of a sudden these like rose petals like scattered throughout the bath but they're not actual wow. rose petals they're like little soaps and you can like rub them into your skin oh wow from lush oh from my lush. god okay putting it on and the you list. shower after these though right to like get all the filth off well you can or, like to like, get the film from the you do like, you, from yeah the you bomb. do like a quick rinse to like make sure you're not yeah. like dyed a different right, color. right 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 there's right. some right. i like how in brent's head the filth <laughs> is <laughs> equating to like what's supposed to be therapeutic <laughs> <laughs> well like well he's talking about how you, you have like confetti on you afterwards and it's like that's great and look god love you if that's your thing i love you but like i'd be like i don't want this fucking shit on me still like i'd want it off me by the end you know my favorite thing to do but, is to do a bath bomb slip into a fresh pair of pajamas because then the pajamas will then smell like the bath bomb for the next couple yeah. of nights. So oh. like every night when you go to bed, you're like, I still kind of smell good. <laughs> you see you, what Neil, I mean? He's really a self-care. Yeah. He's an expert. Yeah. I love his He's Instagram. Kind of expert. I also yes. do a lot of those like yeah. face masks, like those weird like animal yeah. print ones. I'll go to um mm-hmm. the other store I go to is Ulta, like as basic as that sounds. Like I will go to Ulta and just clean <laughs> up there. 
You're going to the same shops basin. we go to. <laughs> I was going to say all the time. That's, that's that is so Long Island. Also, <laughs> Neil, Neil, where can people find you online? Uh, I'm just on Twitter and Instagram, just being a nightmare. Uh, just Neil McNeil. Yeah. I promise it's my real name, and I promise it's spelled right. the same way first and last. That's the other thing too is that whenever I'm like making an appointment or something, people are like, "How do you spell your first name? N e i l. How do you spell your last name? M c n e i l." Wait, how do you spell your first name? And I'm like, God damn it. God. Uh, so it's just that. It's that's just that's how you find me. I'm easy to spot. Well, yeah. Thank you, Neil, so Thanks much. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, guys. And, uh... and another thing. So we got some fan mail recently. Uh, we got one fan one, one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh one listener said i think in a recent episode you guys have said you all have boyfriends which is true so do you have any dating advice for us lonely single gays looking for boyfriends the apps are just ridiculous and horrible for meeting worthwhile guys most guys stop responding after one or two sups or yos and like brent said i don't want a zoomed in pic of a booty hole especially right off the bat a booty hole i think he said right (laughs) but he said booty hole but you you say booty hoe that's correct so yeah when he wanted to see if we have some dating advice i do i have one piece before we before we really get into it i think you should go Mm. to this website alt.com elliot has a profile there it's Mm, a kink and bd it's a kink and bdsm (laughs) um network social networking website and elliot's Mm. handle is unhinged put it in me please it's a long one but what the fuck is alt.com it's actually it's for this project i'm working on but it's a yeah it's a it's a bdsm website oh my god let me remind let me remind the listeners when elliot was single <laughs> i would i would get a hold of his phone for like long enough like he'd be in the bathroom or something How? Well, that's the thing. He would have to like go to the bathroom. I would like get his phone and I would find the, the social media, you know, cause you can put all the apps in like one. Yeah. And I swear to God, I would hit it. And he had every app. He had like dating apps that only ex- exist in Croatia. Did you? <laughs> I've never There's seen. An app, an app it was for more do- than nine. An, an app for dog owners. Wait, it did was, you see? Did you ever look at the screen crazy. time? Like how much time he spent on each one of those apps? Because that's the real tea. <laughs> that's the real. Actually, that's, if you want to know the truth, question. I had all those apps, but I didn't use them all. I, I mm. had them there, like just in case I was ready to start looking for, you know, the rom- the love of my life through the the do- the dog app. Meeting yeah, dog right. owners, but yeah, he, never puts actually his, he puts his nipple clamps on. He starts <laughs> scrolling through the dog app. <laughs> I mean, needless to say, I I am not um, the kind of guy that gives advice uh, because I don't think I am very good at dating. And uh, uh, even though what? I have a boyfriend right, now, I mean, I have a boyfriend right now, but like, I think it's, <laughs> it's a testament You're to great at patience. dating. But like, I do. I will say, like for me, I felt like out of the blue, like a year ago just every maybe even like a year and a half ago maybe it was because i started finally taking it more seriously but like i joined hinge and i i've basically been using tinder since it started i stopped prioritizing grinder and i just found myself like randomly meeting people that wanted to to hang out more than once and i don't it was just this weird i didn't usually like them very much but I like them enough to see them again. And I also kind of kept reminding myself that like, you don't have to instantly fall in love with someone to want to see them again. Mm-hmm. And you can, it, maybe it is a challenge to be like, hey, this wasn't, you know, you're thinking this wasn't the greatest date of my life, but like this would be worth trying again because 
of X, Y, or Z factor. But like, I guess that was the other thing. I think it was maybe other people my age, a little younger, <laughs> but other people roughly my age who were starting to date a little bit more seriously and me kind of insisting that I need to like chill out on like instantly dismissing people. I think that was kind of what led to me having like a few actually serious relationships leading up to Vince. I I never had any luck on any of the apps really that in terms of dating. I mean, hookup mm-hmm. sure, but because I mean, look at me. But I never had much luck with dating on the apps. And uh and I you know, my whenever like nobody asks for advice, but I'm going to give it to you. Um social media was always really sort of helpful for me because it allowed a different kind of public profile it allowed sort of you're able to sort of be parts of yourself more than you can be on a dating profile or whatever because it's all so contrived and forced but then outside of that like a lot of times like you know well all three of us would go to like poker night or we'd go to you know like gay poker night here in LA or we'd go we'd do a bowling thing or we'd be involved in sort of some sort of social events and even though I didn't like find anyone that I was with for a very long time from those things Mm -hmm. I have surprisingly looking back made super close friends from right. those activities that like I had never really made outside of like professional settings, like stand-up shows and stuff. And so it was a really interesting, that to me was like, is, is sort of the, the money spot for yeah, finding yeah, good I've connections. I've never had luck on social media. And, really? and you did, I think you met Michael on social media. Yeah. We met on Instagram, and but you're, you're not big on social media in general. That's right. Yeah, That's yeah. right. I don't, yeah. I don't love it. Uh, but I, I, I do, I do slide into DMS or I have in the past and yeah. I, I felt like I never had a ton of success from it. Well, that's cause they all were like <laughs> college students in Belarus. Belarus. I remember the advice Elliot you gave me uh, a couple years ago when I was like really sort of at my lowest with dating and you said, I remember you said, by the end of the first date, always find out if they eat ass. That was like your number one rule. Because that was to oh you, that God. was what matters most, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what matters most. No, I think that like, in terms of dating, it's like you you can't always imagine, I think you can't imagine exactly what you want, you know? Uh, and you have to, I think you have to have some patience and like, you know, I think like you with Brent, like, like with you, Brent, it, it does take a matter of not closing yourself off, you know, immediately if it doesn't feel totally electric, you know, yeah. I think that's actually sort of yeah. a, a lucky moment or something that, that could potentially take some time, you know, yeah. but I mean, for me, I had more, um, I had more like uh, uh, forward, not for more specific advice, which is always in, if you, the thing is for me, if you couldn't, have a conversation i i could have like left these dates early when it felt like a job interview yeah you know yeah. and i know i would like to i wanted to give somebody the benefit of the doubt of being shyer or or just being right. maybe more withdrawn but there were times when i went on a couple of dates that were job interviews or yeah or yeah biography where for hours somebody would talk about themselves and i couldn't believe that there was they didn't know the basics of like talking yeah. I didn't understand uh, how they just, got there. It's just, it's just, and you, that's all you have to say. You, all you. you have to say is, and you. Right. And I find that I went on most dates I went on. Didn't even re- like the, the guy didn't even do. And you, he I would mean, just answer questions. And that's how, you know, it's not right. a match. They're just, right. they're, they, they, they work on a different sort of level that you do. And it just, and for me, 
I often thought, oh, well, that that must mean what's wrong with me then? Like, why isn't he asking about mm-hmm. me? And I saw it as a reflection of me. Oh, when God, in reality, it's not about you at all. When in reality, I knew it was like, it was a reflection of just this oh, person yeah. being a different person. The other yeah. thing I would say is like, the biggest thing for me is like, be willing or be with someone that like, you're okay with them calling you an asshole or being critical of you. Because like, that has been the most sobering, I think, thing for me is that like, yeah, I could be an asshole sometimes, and I need to I be agree. called an I need to be called an asshole. <laughs> you know agree. what I mean? And like to find that balance of like not having to be always like I love you, I love you, I love you. Like you need yeah, to get to that ridiculous. place where it's just normal. Yeah, I think also like the thing that I personally had to learn, and I think you learn in your thirties more than your twenties, is that you are allowed to not you're allowed to choose to not to to not settle for like less than what you deserve. Mm. And it's not to say that everyone knows what they deserve per se, but I don't think you have to put up with bullshit no. if it doesn't, if you don't, if you don't want to put up with bullshit, just don't put up with bullshit. If it's not working or this person, the person is just rubs you the wrong way, doesn't understand mm. you, doesn't know how to speak to you. Like it's yeah. not, I don't think you have to put up with it just for the sake of trying to force a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, you just know? don't like, but also like, don't write people off or don't check every single one of your boxes, like Brent was saying. Like, and yeah. always, and never, get, never, ever, ever get food on the first date. This was, just have drinks. I Why? Lo- I love, Why I not love- food? Oh my God, because if you have food, first of longer. all, it takes longer. It's not going I get diarrhea. Second of all, if you're not, if you're not somebody, if you're somebody who likes to ha- order dessert and it might be oh embarrassing. That's why you don't want to order food is because of oh that. My God. I'm saying, on Michael and I's first day, we had McDonald's and you know what? We've had thousands mm. of pounds of McDonald's. Since. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Sounds <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> what would your aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? Let me just say this about Kamala Harris. Not a fan. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. That she, I can only imagine what she must think. Oh, my God. I can't. Although she I, wasn't I as, she wasn't as like sycophantic about Trump as you think she was. That's the second time you use that word in this podcast, which is yeah. more than people have used that word this year. He's, he's, got like a word, he's got a word a day calendar. Uh, wait, my Aunt Ramona or? Yeah, I thought she was not like a Trump maniac, but. Oh no, she's a Trump maniac. She oh, just isn't gross. that conservative. Right, right, right. That's that's right. That's, that's the crazy part. But Oof. she's like dying the wool now, apparently. Oh, gross. Okay. Uh, my Aunt Anne would say... Oh, sorry. That's Alan. <laughs> God, I'm fucking this whole thing up. Boy. My Aunt Joanne would Power say... Power through. <laughs> my Aunt Joanne would say, did you see the link I sent you of Kamala Harris doing an impression of her Jewish mother-in-law? I sent it five times. <laughs> <laughs> does, it, does that exist? Uh, it does exist, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Now, how about uh, Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, I don't mean to be crude or anything, but how exactly do you eat ass? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> With a fork and knife. Aunt Anne. Oh, Whoa. my God. She's always got something great to say. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, stay safe. Take care. I'm Elliot Glazer. Okay, I'm Brent Sullivan. (laughs) (laughs) And I am Lola. 